Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. This week's episode features Veronique Gabay. She is the founder of Veronique Gabay. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Skin of Color Society founder, Dr. Susan Taylor. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I am so excited to be here with Veronique Gabay. She is the CEO and founder of Veronique Gabay. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hi. Thank you very much, Jody. I'm so happy to be here. And it's uh, lovely to finally see you uh, from a screen, but lovely to participate to this wonderful podcast. Thank you. I am so excited. I actually just sprayed um, one of your fragrances, the souvenir, I'll, I'll butcher the French, Souvenir de Tunis. Yes, you did it very well. <laughs> yeah. Which means Tunisia, right? Yes, exactly. It means Souvenir of Tunisia. Um, I'm really drawn to orange blossom and I assumed that there would be orange blossom in it when I saw Tunisia and I was right. Yes, it's all created around um, one core ingredient. So in Souvenir de Tunisie, it's, uh, it's all about the orange blossom and we try to magnify the beauty of nature. And in, in Souvenir de Tunisie, you have this orange blossom with a touch of citrus and a touch of almond to make it even sweeter. Uh, and uh, and the idea here is to uh, take you on an exotic and uh, wonderful journey somewhere else. Well, um, that leads me right into um, my first question for you, which is one that I love to ask. And I haven't actually asked it of any of my guests during COVID. And I just saw it in my notes. I'm like, you know what? This is, you know, it's, it's, it's still a great day. So usually I ask my guests when they come to my recording studio in New York how they're going to be spending their day today. And usually the answers are, you know, so different and varied. Um, but today, you know, I just mentioned to you I have construction going on outside as I'm doing my work. How will you be spending your day today? Uh, well, you know, today I have a couple of things that I need to do for um, for work, you know, obviously. And it's interesting to be working constantly for, from home. And I think it's interesting because this crisis, as terrible as it is, has forced us to think through the way we live, the way we communicate with others, what's important, what's not so important, the value system that really means something to us. So it's it's funny because a lot of things are shifting. And so today I'm, uh, I'm working actually on a shoot that I have to do, uh, and I want to do it as safely as possible. So it's a little bit more complicated than usual. And I'm uh, going to work with, um, uh, you know, some retailers as we are planning reopening. So it's interesting, interesting day. <laughs> well, um, you know, you just mentioned shoot. We were just uh, planning a shoot with my agency and we we're talking about things that are, you know, we used to not have to talk about. So if we're going to be outside, we need to rent portable bathrooms, we need to rent the trailer, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many things um, that are different. Yeah. Um, it can all be done. It's just really, really thinking strategically about everyone's experience. Um, you know, we were talking about not sharing food on a big uh, catering table. Maybe it's sending money or gift cards to all the participants ahead of time so they can bring their own food, right? And they don't have to worry. So, um, you know, just a little, little shifts to the production day. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, it's interesting because I also think it's, it teaches us to um, really act and behave in a very different way. Uh, to pay much more attention to other people. And, you know, it's interesting because 
you know, for me, when I developed the brand, I always thought that, you know, beautiful products, beautiful scent are here to bring pleasure and joy and well-being to people. But I think after COVID, it's even more important, you know, the life has become more difficult. It has become a little bit more chaotic. It has become more polarized. And uh, and it's, um, you know, the, the health uh, safety of the people we love is becoming way more important. So somehow things that were a little superficial before are going to be completely jettisoned from our lives. And we have to keep to the essential. Well, um, I'm excited to talk about fragrance with you. If I go to your LinkedIn, I see that you've had a, your entire career has been fragrance, right? At the Estee Water Companies and then the Vera mm-hmm. Wang Group. Um, and, you know, I, I asked you on our um, intake call who connected us and you mentioned Paige Novick, who's been a guest on our show. Um, so tell us about Paige and what you're wearing around your neck. <laughs> so, so first of all, you know what, again, um, I wanted to develop a line of beauty must-haves and fragrances uh, that would bring joy, beauty, well-being, and confidence to people. And one of the elements was to be able to live with fragrance and keep your fragrance with you at all times without having to worry about carrying heavy stuff. And right now we're all at home, but the reality of our lives once uh, this situation is over is that we are more nomadic than our parents. We commute to cities to work, or maybe we're going to work more from home, but we travel way more. And we want to have our hands free. You know, even when I think of uh, the way we live our lives, we go to uh, gyms and we run and we take care of kids and, and we go out for dinner. And so having this idea of having fragrance always close to you so you can have a little bit of your signature, a little bit of your comfort, a little bit of a little talisman that gives you strength and confidence um, and make you escape, you know, somewhere else, having it around your neck was something that I always thought would be interesting. So I worked with Paige Novick, which is this, who is this amazing jeweler, and we decided to create a piece of jewelry uh, that would be absolutely gorgeous, absolutely precious, that you could keep for a gazillion amount of time, but that would contain in it a little secret because if you open it, there's a little bottle of fragrance in it. And so like that, you have your fragrance with you at all time without having to worry about carrying something heavy. And so that's that's what we did. And we have also, you know, a lot of different objects, you know, like a, a purse spray, so, that, you know, so you can throw it in your bag. Again, this idea of being mobile and being, um, you know, light in your travel or in your movements uh, all day long. And at the same time, being beautiful. I wish our listeners could see the necklace. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to maybe put it on social because um, it's so beautiful. Thank you. Um, Paige, Paige is very talented. And what a great way for you to wear your work, Veronique, yes. um, every day. For sure. So, um, you know, you've made a whole career out of fragrance. My first question is why? Why fragrance? My second answer to you is why not? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the real answer to this is um, it happened to me a little bit by surprise because I really, you know, I, I always loved smell. I always love scent. As a little girl, you know, you know, I was born in the south of France and um, it's a region where 
the nature is absolutely stunning. So you're constantly surrounded with beautiful sensation. You have the, the sea in front of you. You have the air of the Alps. You know, the Alps are behind you. You have a bounty of trees and plants and roses and jasmines and mimosa. And it's not a surprise that grass in France, in the south of France, was becoming the historical center for fragrance because nature allowed it. And so as a little kid, you know, grass was in my backyard. I was born in Antibes, eight kilometers away, not even two miles away from grass. So this constant connection with nature led to have a deep appreciation for it and have a deep curiosity about it. So that was my childhood. And then as I grew up, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, except that I knew I wanted to be in a creative field. And at the beginning, I was thinking of interior design. And, you know, of course, you know, I was uh, told by my parents, you'll never get a, a penny out of it. You need to be independent. And so, you know, reluctantly, I went into business school. And there, one step led to the next. And I was recruited by L'Oréal at one point. And at L'Oréal, after a little amount of time in makeup, um, I went into um, perfume. And there, I really, really, really loved it. And I found my passion. And it has never left me. And, and it's a deep passion because there's something absolutely magical um, about nature. And if you can harness the beauty and the power of nature... I truly believe that you can make people feel way better. So there's at the same time the aesthetics of nature. It's just beautiful. And when you smell nature, you smell so many different things. But there's also the um, incredible emotional content of nature because it takes you, smell takes you to your memories. Smell helps you express your emotion. Smells really helps you express your personality. And nature really is one of the most beautiful ways of doing it. We had a really, I think, lively conversation, you and I, when we were doing our intake call around um, the need for some seductive element in the marketing of fragrance. And I asked you, like, is that, you know, while maybe like in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, for sure, that was true. And I asked you, is that still true today, right, when... Um, indie beauty, you know, you're part of indie beauty now, <laughs> you know, like indie beauty has really like changed the conversation. Um, our lives are so different now uh, that um, inundation with marketing and information is different. So um, do we, do we still, does that fragrance industry need to deliver on seductive in order for um, a customer to be um, become a new fan? So I'm going to take you a little bit in the journey of understanding how smelling works. Um, the sense of smell is one of the only sense, actually the only one, that's located in what we call the reptilian slash limbic brain. All of the other senses are located in what we call the cortex brain. What is the difference? The cortex is linked to your thought process. The limbic is linked to your emotion. The reptilian is linked to your instinct. So the reptilian brain is really the beginning of our evolution. And so fragrance is in between reptilian and limbic, right? It's there. 
And so what's happening with the reptilian? You connect this to basically the instinct of the human race. What is the instinct of the human race? You want to be safe. So smell is going to help you stay safe. Okay, you will smell danger. That's what happened to us like, a, a, you know, many, many, many moons ago. You want to reproduce because you want to keep the race going. So today, translate it into seduction, okay, uh, and other things like that. Limbic. Limbic is about emotion. So now it's not about your instinct as human race, which is shared by everyone around the world. So this idea of safety, comfort, seduction is true around the world with scent. Then you have the emotions. The emotion is more about the individual journey of a person, right? It's what connects you to your memories. And by the way, the sense of smell is very close to the center where we store our memories. And that's why scent is so connected with memories. That's why when you smell something, sometimes it takes you back to a place, to a person, to a souvenir. So, yes, there's another aspect of scent which is linked to basically well-being because, because it is connected to your emotion, scent has the power of making you feel better. And if you use beautiful raw materials, beautiful essential oils, that power is absolutely phenomenal. And that's what I wanted to do with my brand. I wanted to put in my brand, in my product, in my formulas, only essential oils, natural raw material of the highest quality. So they would make you feel better. But at the same time, there's an element of sensuality. There's an element of seductive power. There's an element of comforting power in those sense. And overall, there's an element of light because I think in the crazy life we need, we don't need more darkness in our lives. We need that luminosity. I, I love that explanation and the science behind it. Um, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about um, how you spent most of your career at these you know, giant global companies um, creating you know, masterpieces and master brands um, that you know, still to this day, those products people love, right? And probably haven't changed a bit. Um, and then you started your own company. So you walked into entrepreneurship knowing what kind of muscle and marketing machine it requires <laughs> to build these brands and then said, okay, I'll do this myself as an independent brand. Um, why? Why did you walk away from, you know, the, the, the giant machines and um, resources required to start your own company? Two things. I think from day one, I had in me the feeling that I wanted to do something to connect with people on my own. And it was really about connecting with people. And when you want to connect with people, you need to be able to put your imprint on things very, very clearly. And then there's another, I would say, more circumstantial situation is that, you know, as you grew, as, you, as I was growing up in uh, the corporate world, the more I was growing up in the corporate world, the more the responsibilities you have towards the company you work for are about organizational design. They are about finances. They're about, you know, making sure that you report, you know, good numbers to Wall Street. 
they are about making sure that you have a healthy business going forward and, and that you continue to have growth and that you do it in a way that uh, basically uh, sustains the values of the company you work for. But you get less and less involved in what was really my passion, which is product development and connection one-on-one with people that tries the product, that buys the product. And that to me is where I, you know, get my energy. And so little by little, I was becoming this formidable businesswoman and I learned a lot, quite frankly, but my soul was kind of shrinking. So my office was growing, but my heart was, you know, becoming more and more, um, you know, um, little. And so at one point, I realized that I didn't want to become the CEO of a public company. This was not my journey. It was, I had had a great journey until then, but then I had to make a decision. Do I want my next step? Because that was the logical next step to become, you know, the CEO of a public company. And then I realized this is not what I wanted. And suddenly the little dream, the little voice that I always had in my heart and in my mind became louder and louder and louder. And I realized that the risk of not listening to this little voice was becoming bigger than the risk of, you know, jumping into the entrepreneurial pool. And so I decided to leave my corporate job. I decided to leave this ginormous office of mine and take a little desk on the corner, you know, of a hallway, (laughs) but go back to what I really wanted to do, which was explore the power of nature, harness the beauty of nature, bring it to people so that I could bring joy and beauty and well-being and allow people to express their personality through my products. And that's what I'm doing. I applaud you for listening to that inner child. It's hard to do. Um, I'm curious, you know, because it's been about two years since you left your corporate job. Um, was there a transition period that was sort of like, oh, my God, what's going on? Because I would imagine that leading the brands that you led, um, there was access to things and everybody wanted to know your point of view and you were invited to all the things and right, the advertisers and the this and the that. Um, and all that really goes away, right? Um, the minute you don't have that big budget, you're not in charge of that big budget. So what sort of uh, what sort of surprises hit you after leaving corporate life? You know, I was lucky because I did it once before. You know, when I was very young, I was uh, the vice president for Giorgio Armani perfumes at L'Oréal. And I really developed Giorgio Armani to... You know, I I really built the foundation of the success for Giorgio Armani. And I was quite young. I was in my late 20s when I left L'Oréal, you know, at at the height of my success there. And people were telling me, you're totally nuts. You're totally crazy. What are you doing this? You're shooting yourself in the foot. And again, I knew I didn't want to stay there. And so at age 28, 29, I got that experience that you're talking about. I realized that suddenly the people that were saying they were absolutely loving me and so the invitation, this, that, the other thing, all of that disappeared. And I have to tell you, it's a lesson 
that you better learn in your 20s than in your 50s. Because in your 50s, that could be absolutely dramatic. In my 20s, I learned that basically what you are is very different from what you represent and never to mistake one for the other. And that was a lesson learned that has helped me all my life. And all my life after that, I only did the things that I believed were the right thing to do. I only did it because I wanted to do them and not because of what, you know, um, I was getting out of them. And that's a very, very important distinction because it gives you freedom, total freedom in your mind, at right. least. Because I would think that when you're um, in the, the celebrity world of fragrance that you really were, right? The brands you represented were all about, you know, um, the celebrity, the designer, essentially, yeah. um, that there would be decisions around celebrity and access, right? This is what marketers at that level um, and advertisers at the level, level, you know, kind of get, get to experience, right? Part of the fun of the job. But um, I also see so much, um, I guess, decision-making, like you said, that was, wasn't about really what the right decision is. It was about like, oh, what celebrity do we get to mingle with, mm -hmm. right? So is that sort of what you're talking about between deciding about what's really right and um, versus what would be an easier decision? Yeah, I think that basically I never was um, blinded by the glamour of it all. To me, what was important was to do the right thing from an ethical point of view with my teams, with the product that I was creating. I never, ever, ever compromise on quality. Um, I never, ever, ever uh, take a decision. I might be, I might do, mis I have mistakes, of course. You know, everybody does have mistakes and makes mistakes, but I never took a decision because I was um, enamored with the world I was in. To me, what was important was the product and were the people, either the people in my team, the community that I would serve, or my customers. People and product were the most important thing ever. And that's it. And the rest of it, you know, and for me, the most difficult part of getting into my own brand is because I was never enamored by glamour, I was always behind the curtain. I was always pushing other people in front of the stage, even though I was doing the work. And so to me, the most difficult thing launching the brand was not not having the same access or not having the same glitterati around me. The most difficult thing was to put myself up front. The most difficult thing was to be present on social media. This is not me. You know, I'm more comfortable smelling stuff, smelling flowers, thinking how to combine them together. You know, that wood, this flower, this, that, the other thing, how a product will affect the skin of an individual, no matter what color of skin they're in. Or, you know, those are the things I love to do. You know, being upfront, photograph myself, you know, shooting myself, filming myself, this is not my zone of comfort at all. But you put your name on the brand. This is yes. getting out of your comfort zone as you could potentially get. Absolutely. And I think I did it because the values that I wanted to bring to the brand were so personal 
that, you know, I thought of other names, I had other names, you know, and it didn't feel right. It felt like it was like a curtain. And I think at one stage, if you launch your brand, there's a part that I call the ego trip. Okay. I had an ego trip too, you know, but once the brand was formed, the ego trip was behind me. I think that when you open the curtain on your own value system, you have to be so authentic and so real and so open to share your really your deep thoughts and your deep values that suddenly calling it another name was like, eh, doesn't feel right. And that's why I did it. It doesn't mean that it becomes more, you know, or easier to live with it, but it's more real. Um, I do understand the, um, the challenge of being front and center when my team would ask me to do things on social, um, I'd say no in the, in the beginning, I'd say no. And then they put me in front of a, a video camera and I like cried. I couldn't even like get the words out. It was so stressful. Well, you, you, um, you, you're very good at it. So, <laughs> well, I like learning about people. That's easy, right? The, um, these conversations are wonderful. It's like free therapy for me, right? Or free business coaching. But the other stuff is, I understand it. It's it's hard. It gets a little easier, but it's not um, it's not always the most comfortable. Um, you mentioned about this desire to be creative and sort of walk away from the corporate things that were about like resource planning or you know um, other corporate needs. Um, is there a way for a big global corporation like some of the ones you work for to retain talent like you um, to help? incubate these ideas do you think there's opportunities or do people like you at this point just need to move on and and, and build your own you know i think there's as many uh situation as there is people you know um in my case it was becoming more difficult and more difficult by the minute because i was also in a in a strange conundrum i like to make decisions okay i like to be in charge I don't want to be just a creative mind. If you want to be just a creative mind, there's plenty of company that will welcome talent like mine, you know, um, and they do. And Estee Lauder is one that really is amazing with creative people. But I like to make decisions. I like to manage. And so basically, if you like also that, at some point, you have to decide what do you spend your time doing? And in the context of managing a global business, you have to manage it. You have to be there for that management. And you have to make sure that you deliver what the company needs you to deliver. And so for me, it was very hard to find that balance in the constraint of a global um, public company. I think in a smaller company, uh, mine is microscopic at this point, but in a smaller company, it's slightly easier. But the minute you start growing, you need to put in a structure so that the company can function. The minute you start putting a structure and the structure grows, the more it grows, the more the structure needs to be formal. The more the structure is formal, the more you're going to have those issues. Uh, and that being said, there's ways to maintain uh, a flow of communication, the, to maintain the participation of your employees. So, and I will build my company this way. But when a company reaches the sizes of the companies I was working in, tens of billions of dollars in revenue, it becomes more and more difficult. Right. 
So my last question for you is um, what's been like the most um, surprising or fulfilling part of being part of the indie beauty world? Um, you know, I think the the most beautiful thing is, again, I finally get back to what I love. So that to me is fantastic, you know, creating and connecting with people. But I think also what's absolutely amazing is the incredible solidarity and connection that exists between brand owners. Um, I have found that there are a great group of women because most most of the people brand owner that have been mingling with not by choice but just by occasion and circumstance are women and the generosity and the openness that uh, we found and uh, you know the capacity to help each other is absolutely extraordinary and that to me was fabulous and quite frankly I'm even thinking of building at the same time as building my company some kind of collective just to put some type of resources together or some type of activities together because we need to help each other. You know, the, the, the building a business is not easy. And, uh, and uh, I'm sure that there are synergies that we can find by helping each other. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. It's so incredible to meet you over Zoom. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jodi. It was fantastic and so pleasurable to discuss all of this with you. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Veronique. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jodi Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.